Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here, host of the Common Sense Show. Thanks for staying with us through the break. And we are in our guest segment, and you know we are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. So glad to be with you, and we have a terrific guest for you. And someone who's out there on the front lines fighting for you and me, and her name is Mary Ann Mendoza, and she is the co-founder of angelfamilies.org. And this is an organization that's dedicated to bringing victims and their families into the light of day and accentuating their stories and why we need reasonable immigration laws. No one's opposed to good immigration. We just don't need criminals here. And that's uh, one thing that I've been preaching ad infinitum. She's also on the advisory board for Women for Trump. And hooray, hooray, because I get tired of the uh, Trump is a misogynist, Trump is a sexist. And what do we know about Trump? Well, he's produced the lowest unemployment rates for women in history. And uh, she's also a consultant for We Build the Wall. And uh, wow, <laughs> I'm wondering when she sleeps. And we appreciate this activism. So join me in welcoming Mary Ann Mendoza to the Common Sense Show. Thanks for joining us, Mary Ann. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, you know, you're right up our alley here on this show. These themes get repeated a lot, and it's so nice to be talking to someone on the front lines. Um, it, it almost seems to me that unless there's an unforeseen black swan event or something just horrendous, that Trump really has his ducks in line, and he's moving forward. But you're really kind of picking up the pieces here of things that I think are getting overlooked like dealing with sanctuary cities. Let's talk about that. Well, it's something that creates a lot of, unfortunately, more angel families and more uh, victims and people who end up joining my organization. And I really want the least amount of people possible in my organization. You know, sounds, sounds uh, you know, kind of ridiculous but in this circumstance absolutely i don't want any more people joining us um and angel families are standing up to fight sanctuary policies unfortunately we as american citizens have absolutely no say in sanctuary policies that are that are shoved on us um elected officials who have a personal agenda get elected into office may it be a mayor um uh you know governor a city council person, um, senators, congressional people on state and federal levels, and um, you know they just decide that this is what's best for our country and our community, and it's never on the voter ballot. And so this is where we have to draw the line because so many of these liberal people, and you know what, this actually includes sheriffs across the, our nation too. Sheriffs who get get voted into office, and then they have the audacity. To implement sanctuary policies which put us in, in more danger and at greater risk. Yeah, I know. And unfortunately, like so many people who get out on the front lines, they're victims of tragedy. And you had your own tragedy as well with Brandon. And uh, I remember yeah. the case well since we're both you know, north of Phoenix, between halfway between Surprise and Wickenburg. But uh, we're connected to Phoenix and you're in a Phoenix suburb. And I remember the case all too well. And um, yeah. and so, you know, you're one of many people that I get to interview that turn such a horrible, horrible situation into something positive for so many people. Um, why is it that you want to keep your numbers so low? Because um, 
you know, if you join our organization, that means that you've become a victim of illegal alien crime in our country or someone you love has been killed by an illegal alien in this, uh, criminal in this country. And, well, I don't want more people. I don't want more of my fellow Americans killed by illegal criminals in our country. Um, I want to keep this number as low as possible. Okay, I understand what you're saying now by that. By low numbers mean lower number of victims. I I, I hear exactly right. what you're saying there, um, and I, that is so important. Um, what kind of media reception do you find that you typically get? Here, you're going to get open arms, but with you know Fox and CBS and all, what kind of reception do you get from mainstream media? Um, I get very good reception from. Um, the Fox News um, audience. You know, anytime I'm on there, um, I get very, very beautiful, um, supportive feedback from those people. I was on, the only time that I ever got on a liberal station, CNN, was when they actually had a town hall in, uh, was back east when Paul Ryan was Speaker of the House. And you know, I wasn't greeted too kindly there because, you know, I was speaking out against um, illegal alien criminals and the invasion of our country even back then. And, um, you know, right after me, after Paul Ryan promising me, we're going to be working with the president because I, I challenged him that he was going to be working with our president. And, um, oh, yes, 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 we're going to be working on immigration policy. We all know that Paul Ryan did nothing. And, Immediately after me, they had a dreamer stand up and talk about, you know, how terrible her life is, fearing that she's going to get deported, and he's promising her the world. So, you know, I, I get out there on Twitter, you know, I get hateful things said to me, and the easiest thing for me to do is block that person and move on with my day. I don't have time for hate. Um, mm-hmm. I don't hate. Um, I do believe in following the law. And I believe anybody who enters this country should be following our laws because that's what we have to do when we go visit or want to move to another country. Yeah, it is interesting how uh, so many of the people of the liberal persuasion have two sets of rules, you know, rules for thee but not for me, and that uh, they want totally open borders. And you're inviting such disaster when you do this. And, you know, I, I remember the case of Brandon. Um, if I remember right, correct me, I think the offender was driving the wrong way and was like two or three times the legal limit for being drunk and was on meth. And I'm thinking, we're protecting these people in sanctuary cities? I mean, it just makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, and I mean, he ended up, at the time of impact, he was driving 104 miles an hour. That's what his odometer, you know, the speedometer said on his vehicle. Um, And that was on a blind curve on an HLV uh, ramp transitioning from the 60 to the 10, you know, right on the west side of Tempe. Mm -hmm. And my son didn't know what was coming towards him. And this man had um, committed crimes up in Colorado, you know, more than a decade before that, and um, didn't show up for his court date, which that happens, you know, such a high percentage of time these illegals don't show up for their court dates to face charges. And um, Soul Warrant was out for him while he was caught coming back over the border in 2002 from Mexico from visiting family and was apprehended and taken up to Adams County, Colorado to face the charges that he had been running from. And the judge basically gave him a slap on the wrist and said, have a nice life. And he ended up in Arizona, ultimately killing my son. You know, that's what really threw me into this fight because 
when I when I came out of my fog after my precious son was taken from me so suddenly, and when I started researching and and, and really seeing, you know, in the state of Arizona, up until a few years ago, an illegal alien criminal only had to serve 50% of their sentence, and an Arizona citizen had to serve at least 85% of their sentence for the same crime. And Governor Doug Ducey changed that. But there's many, many states across our country that require illegal alien criminals to only serve 50% of their sentence. And when you think about that, they're already criminals because they're in our country illegally, and then they commit a crime, and they're, they're... they're punished less harshly than us as American citizens. It's insanity. It's just, it blew my mind away. And that's really what kind of threw me into this because I thought, had our laws been upheld and had this man been deported, you know, although we do have porous borders, um, maybe my son would still be alive today. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, it's interesting you'd mention Adams County. I grew up six blocks from Adams County in nearby Arapahoe County. Wow. And uh, I'm from Colorado, obviously. And Colorado used to be a conservative state when I lived there. And I I left there in the 80s to come to Arizona. And I don't even recognize my home state any longer. I mean, it's almost as liberal as California. So I understand why that happened. Because there in that state, illegal aliens get preferential treatment as well. Um, The free medical, of course. And the greatly reduced sentence, as you're talking about. In fact, I don't know if you heard of this or not, but in Cambridge, Massachusetts, we just did a podcast on this. Um, if you're caught driving, Marianne, without a license as an American citizen, you're going to jail. If an illegal alien's caught in Cambridge, Massachusetts, driving without a license, they get released. Right. I know, it it's, just, it's, it's nuts. And I, I mean, and up, up there in Denver, just recently, so there was an illegal who had committed so many crimes. And he ended up stabbing a judge who he had um, been before, and I think the judge sentenced him to 10 days in jail. He was so mad about that that he, he was waiting in an alley, stabbed this judge, left him for dead. Um, his, you know, They found him, and they got him to a hospital. He was in the hospital from August to November of last year, and this guy just was committing more and more crimes. And finally in January, you know, they busted him, and, and they said, enough's enough. And they went in and wiped out every picture of him on the Internet, on any of the police records there in Colorado, so that we can't do any investigating on him. Um, Dave Gibson runs a website called IllegalAlienCrimeReport.com, and he's a retired police officer, and and he and I are very good friends, and I rely on him for top-notch information about a lot of these articles that say a Denver man or a Cambridge man. We all know who they are, you know, the minute you see their picture. And he's able to get the information that, yes, they are, in fact, an illegal alien, so that I'm able to report this to my fellow Americans. Because they book them, and they don't have their immigration status on their booking. And so we have, we're floundering, and now Hispanics are, ri- are marked down as their race is white. And so this is skewing um, statistics in the United States for crimes that are committed. It's making it look like whites are committing more crimes which everybody thinks it's Americans, so that's why so many argue Americans commit more crimes than illegals do. Look, folks, um, you know, we're getting a snow job. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's true. The other thing that we get a snow job on is the pejorative labels that people hide behind. And let me give you an example, and it's something specific. I tell you, my wife and I discussed 
with regard to the death of your son specifically because it moved us and the argument is well you only feel that way because they're Mexican they're Latino and I said hmm seems to me that your son's last name was Mendoza Latino uh, how is that racist to support a police officer killed in the line of his in line of duty and you're saying we're racist for pointing this out and the victim is Latino I, this is just drives me up the wall when I hear this crap well and illegal aliens are not a race they are people illegally present in our country from True. all over the world and from all and uh, so, backgrounds yeah exactly so exactly. the racial, the racial card, you know, the racial argument anybody throws at me, I'm just like, look, they're not a race, and I'm not pointing out what their skin color at all. I'm pointing out their illegal status in our country and the fact that they're criminal. You know, and there's a practical consideration too, and this is something that our uh, Democratic uh, colleagues never want to address, like the Nancy Pelosi's. So you open the borders up and you let tens of millions of people come in from wherever. I don't care what country it is. How do you absorb that in your infrastructure, your schools, your roads? Where are we going to find the tax dollars to take care of this? Where are we going to water all these people? I mean, people don't even talk about the infrastructure effects. Well, and this is something that Angel Families, my organization is going to be working on this year. We're going to be working... Um, Oklahoma is the only state in this nation that has a remittance fee. And in 2015, when they implemented it, they got over $12.1 million for a 1% remittance fee on money that was being Western Union. They're wired out of the country, out of our country, to other countries. And mind you, a lot of that money is earned tax-free. And um, Mm -hmm. these are paid under the table a lot of times. But if they filed a tax return and if they had a, a... correct social security number they were able to get those fees back if they were truly sending it to family they're american citizens and sending it out georgia tried to pass that legislation 2008 and 17-18 year and they just reintroduced it just this last week and i'm going to be working with arizona legislators because you know there's a small um city in connecticut that was saying they were they needed they were $1.3 million short in their school district because 372 illegal children were thrown into their school system, and they had to start hiring English teaching teachers and specific classes for these people. These illegals need to be paying for the services that they're getting. And so if Arizona charged a 3% remittance fee on any money going out of our country, this would help shore up the educational um, losses that we have, um, you know, provide equipment for police for the inc- increased crime that we have here in our in our state. Help our sheriff's department, Sheriff Lamb down in, in Pinal County, and dealing with the drugs and Sheriff Daniels in Cochise County. They need the equipment to to handle, you know, dealing with these drug dealers. When fentanyl comes over, they need Narcan kits in order to, you know, if they're exposed to the to fentanyl. So, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm going to be meeting with Arizona legislators hopefully next month and try and get this remittance fee passed here and then move across the country with our angel families in their prospective states and try and get this legislation passed because we truly feel like these people, as long as they're going to be here, then you need to start paying for the services that you're being given for free at this point. Yeah, and and the same as we're paying. It's, it's It's not a single you out kind of approach. It's like everyone pays their fair share. I totally agree with you. Uh, Doug Ducey, it's interesting you'd bring up the good governor. 
he was in the news last week and he was going to promote an agenda that took away sanctuary status designation for a city like Phoenix and now he's backed off of that what's that all about well because big businesses and the Chamber of Commerce and ACLU and all of these groups were just putting the heat on him and making him you know making him believe that it would be a repeat of the Jam Brewer days when SB 1070 was passed and so many businesses boycotted Arizona um, I don't care if businesses boycott Arizona. Governor Doug Ducey's job as the governor should be protecting the citizens of Arizona. And he's made a statement, look, Arizona will never become a sanctuary state. Well, I say to Doug Ducey, look, you're not going to be our governor forever, and we don't know what will happen in the future. And we do need that verbiage in our Constitution in Arizona because Tucson just tried to do it. Flagstaff's talking about trying to pass um, legislation in their city code to be, become a sanctuary city. And um, I am, I'm going to CPAC this week, but when I get back into town, I'm going to be working on getting an initiative started to get that um, on the ballot in November for Arizona citizens to vote on, to change our constitution, to outlaw sanctuary policies forever in our, in our state. It's, it's interesting that you're taking that tact. I'm actually leaving Thursday to go cover the uh, California 51st State Convention. And uh, if we win back the House, the Republicans do, uh, I think this will become a reality pretty quickly because I know Trump is behind it. But the main motivator for people, the 52 of the 58 California counties that have fully committed to leaving old California and going to new California is because citizens are treated as second-class citizens. It's one of their primary objectives. Right, you know, and, and Democrats, Every day, somewhere in this country, a Democrat is saying, no one is above the law. And, of course, we heard that 50 million times during the impeachment hearing. Mm -hmm. Yet, they're the very people who are standing up for illegal criminals, people who are breaking the laws in our country. They're standing up for those people. And they shouldn't be voting. They shouldn't be getting driver's licenses. They are not citizens. We owe them nothing. Well, I think the fact that... um, and, And listen... I'm first generation on my dad's side of the family. I'm sympathetic to what immigrants go through, totally. I grew up hearing the stories, and my family escaped Nazi Germany on my dad's side. And the one thing that I had drilled into my head is America's great because it gave opportunity. But my family went through naturalization for seven years. They had to pass a test on the Constitution and basic American history before they were eligible to be considered to be citizens. And they had to pass a health exam. Uh, to make sure they weren't carrying communicable diseases. And we do none of that now. I mean, with today, with the coronavirus, and you got Ebola, and all these other pathogens for which a lot of Americans have no immunity for some of the things that are being brought in, uh, we don't even test people for health concerns. I mean, is this going to be part of what you're going after on legislation, mandatory testing? Um, well, I don't know that that will be included in the in the sanctuary um policy thing that I'm going to try and and work on here in Arizona, but, you know, we don't have proper vetting in place at our borders. We have, you know, Middle Eastern terrorists coming over our southern border, and Arizona has over 350 miles of barbed wire fencing as our border. Yeah, I know. And, um, you know, we're we're a hotbed here, but, you know, and, and true asylum or fleeing from Nazi Germany or fleeing from, um, dangerous situations is one thing, but I have a woman 
Um, she's Hispanic, and, and her husband's in the Air Force, and she does a lot of research for me of these obscure um, articles that are on the Internet of all the crime that illegals are committing. And she was saying that she has a good friend who lives down in Honduras, and she was telling her that what is is pushing this, number one, is the Democrats, because all of these illegal immigrants coming you know, from Honduras, Salvador, and Guatemala, here's the, hear the word, you know, come on, we're going to give you everything for free, come on. And so they're enticed by that. Plus, George Soros is backing up a lot of that with his True. Open Border Society funding yes. it. But it's something called housing envy. And I put this out on Twitter quite a while ago, that, you know, families down there who have families here in America who are sending the money home, they're able to build beautiful homes, they're buying businesses, farms, they're buying auto repair shops, and so the neighbors see this, and so they send their family up because they're envious of their neighbors. And wouldn't you know, about three weeks after I put that on the internet, Todd Bressman, I think his name is, with CIS, Center for Immigration Studies, had been down there and put a huge article on their website about housing envy. You know, that this is what's pushing it. And so these people who are coming to our border, of course they're being coached, to say, I'm in fear for my life, I've been threatened that I'm going to get killed by the gangs, well, you know, that's the easiest thing for everybody to say. But when they talk to these reporters who are down there, they're like, we're just coming for money, for a better life. Well, we don't owe them that as American taxpayers. We don't owe them to support them. And, you know, I want to remind your listeners, every one of you are a victim of illegal immigration. You may not have been affected as I have been and lost a child, every one of you are a victim because you were you were paying the $163 billion bill so far, well, that's what it was in, in 2019, to support illegals in our country, and it's only growing every year. They're, they're estimating it's going to be about $212 billion this next year. And so we're all victims. We're being forced to participate in this. We don't have a say in anything that's going on surrounding illegal immigration. And it's not just that they come here and kill people or that they commit crimes. Look, it affects our welfare. It affects our school systems. It affects our jobs. It affects, um, you know, Social Security, and it affects people. people's identity are stolen. There are many, many layers of what illegal immigration brings to this country in a negative way. Um, when you look at the Democrats' motivation for having totally open borders, I mean, Nancy Pelosi was against background checks, health checks, uh, Speaker of the House. What do you think is underlying the main motivation that the Democrats are attaching to totally open borders? They hate Trump. They, they see that he's accomplishing things. Every one of these politicians were for a secure border prior to Trump coming into office. And they're going to make sure that they do anything possible to stop him from success succeeding at anything that he promised, you know, the American people when he was when he was campaigning. He's done so much and followed through on so many promises, but that's one thing that they have control over, you know, to stop legislation and, and to be able to create that. You know, I've, I've posed to Nancy Pelosi, meet me. Let me meet you face to face, mother to mother. You look me in the eye and you tell me, how did my son become collateral damage for your agenda? You know, and I want to ask her, which child of yours would you choose to lose mm -hmm. the same way I lost my son to support your agenda? Because that's what she's asking every single American citizen. 
you're gonna you could become collateral damage tomorrow and guess what we don't care because I feel this strongly I hate Trump this much and I'm not gonna let him accomplish this yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's clearly a motivation. We need to step aside just for a second. We didn't get in our first break because we've had a technical issue here. So I need to let you know that the rest of this program is brought to you by people who keep the lights on. Noble Gold. And as you look at going into whatever crisis would be, whether we're going to go into quarantine because of Corona or whatever it would be, are you really ready? Are you diversified? Are you going to trust everything in the bank? That's a huge mistake. My mom's side of the family took a bath. They went from riches to rags. Don't make the same mistake. Noble Gold will help you diversify. Give them a call and find out what they can do for you. 877-646-5347. That's 877-646-5347. And as we look at approaching bad times, and if they do happen, DHS and FEMA have already told us you need six months of storable food. Well, we've got that for you, too, at nearly 40% off the four- and two-week packages. Go to the website, preparewithdave.com. Find out what's there. 25-year shelf life, restaurant quality. That's preparewithdave.com. Well, we're talking with Mary Ann Mendoza on a lot of different immigration type of issues. And Mary Ann, unfortunately, like so many people we interview that are at the forefront of organizational opposition to really criminality in our society, have suffered terrible personal losses. And if you're just joining us, Marianne lost her son, Brandon, who was a Mesa police officer at a suburb of Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, and a really high profile case here in the Valley not too far from where I live, and it was uh, just a horrible, horrible situation. And she's picked up the torch, and she's moved on, and she's trying to correct a bad situation in this country. And we've been talking about the motivations for illegal immigration and some of the things that are being done. Uh, I'd like to go back to what you said you're going to approach the Arizona State Legislature. Um, If you were to pick just two main things or three main things you'd like them to accomplish, what would that be? Well, you know, obviously, I was on board 100% for the sanctuary, you know, the sanctuary policy, anti-sanctuary policy um, verbiage being put into our Constitution. Uh, Unfortunately, Doug Ducey caved to big businesses and the Chamber of Commerce and ACLU. And so, you know, I'm going to start an initiative with Arizona citizen signatures to get it on the ballot in November for us to be able to vote on ourselves. the other thing is that I want remittance fees passed in Arizona. The amount of money that goes out of our state to to Central America and Mexico is unbelievable. Um, you know, we send. I I've got figures, but you know, we send like a, I'm just giving throwing some out there from memory. 127 million to Guatemala, 118 million to El Salvador, and then we give um, other foreign aid to. Um, El Salvador, Guatemala, and um, what's the other? Honduras. Do you know that in 2017, remittances that left our country and went to those three countries totaled $53 billion? That's amazing. We left that since then. This money is leaving our, you know, economic, you know, you know, society, and it's going down there to those countries, and a lot of it is tax-free. Now, the remittances that are sent to Mexico, of course, the government takes a cut off any of that money that's sent before it's forwarded onto the families. So they're not only getting their foreign aid, which I think is about $287 million a year from America, um, they're also getting huge amounts of remittances sent to Mexico. And 
there was just another article written by a, a journalist down in, in Tucson who um, does a lot of stuff, and he was saying how these people are fleeing the violence and uh, the cartel, and they're being thrown out of their homes and being extorted and whatnot. Unfortunately, the Mexican government has allowed this to get so far and let the cartel get such a stronghold. And the motivating factor behind all of it is money and greed. And a lot of these politicians and police officers in Mexico are on the cartel payroll. Oh, yes. I have an activist down on the southern border in Arizona who got a call from the cartel last week and said, hey, we'll pay you 15000 a month if you move out of the area and let our, and let our drug deals roam freely through our, our drug paths. And he said, nope, you know, my morals are higher than that. And they're like, well, we've got 15 Border Patrol agents in the Nogales area that are on our payroll. So what does that tell you, folks? I mean, no, those we've got corruption in every level in the United States. And now we have Border Patrol agents who are on the cartel payroll who are allowing these drugs and these people to get through um, checkpoints and whatnot. And, you know, we cannot take care of Mexico's problem because their government has failed to protect those people and go after the cartel, you know, the way that they've needed to for years. And during this whole surge of all of these um, illegals coming to our borders, the cartel was actually backing off on drugs because, and some of them were strictly honing in on human trafficking because it was more lucrative to them than shipping drugs. You know, the drugs come over our border and it's a one-time payment. But when they're human trafficking and these people can't afford it, once these women and a lot of these children get to the United States, uh, they're paying forever. It's monthly fees that are going to them. So they pay off the debt that they owe them. And a lot of these women and children are sold into the sex um, trafficking here in the United States. So that's another angle that I go after the Democrats. You're aiding and abetting in modern-day slavery in our country, and yet you say you're the party that was so against slavery and, and stood up for the black people in our country. Well, now you are using... Any illegal alien that comes over our border, you are aiding and abetting in modern-day slavery because these people are, are spending years paying off their debt to the cartel. It's mind-boggling how wide this goes. And I'll, I'll give you another thing to consider, and I don't know if you've ever looked at this end of it. But behind the various cartels, the underlying force is the Communist Chinese Army huge involvement with the Sinaloas and they've spread to the Gulf Cartel and the wars. We, we've covered this extensively on this show and I've interviewed people from DHS anonymously, Border Patrol and they all tell a very similar story. So this is what's coming into our country uh, and the fentanyl, I mean how many people did it kill last year? I think it was what, 70,000 Ill illegal opioids crossing our, our borders and killing our young people? Yeah. And that, you know, when you add that on top of um, people who are killed by illegal aliens, you know, this is, this is a, a national crisis, the amount of Americans that are killed every year. And why the Democrats wouldn't want to close our borders is beyond me. And, you know, being a consultant for We Build the Wall, it was an organic movement started in December of 2018 by Brian Colvage and Amanda Shea. They put a GoFundMe up. And they got $25 million, like within a, a matter of, you know, four or five weeks. And we successfully built um, a border security system in Sunland Park, New Mexico, which 
the Army Corps of Engineers said was impossible to do because it was a 31% grade up the side of a mountain. And um, Fisher Industries out of Coolidge, Arizona, was the contractor we were using. And we did it. We got it done in 10 days. And it's got a paved road next to it. It has lighting system. It has sensors in the ground um, that will sense walking, driving. It will sense in any digging, and Border Patrol is notified immediately. Um, you know, people continued to donate after they saw what we did with the first project. We just finished 3.5 miles along the Rio Grande in Mission, Texas, that the Army Corps of Engineers said couldn't be done. Guess what? It's done. Lots of lawsuits were filed against us, but um, the wall is put in place. The natural flooding of the Rio Grande is, can go through the fencing. Um, it's an amazing project, and we have Project 3 and 4 waiting to go. And um, American citizens believe in this so much that they're willing to pay, you know, even after their tax dollars are supposed to go to border security, they're willing to pay their, their wages after they've been paid in tax on that, and they're willing to donate to this project. And it's a pivotal point in history where it's going to show what the American people can do when they want something bad enough and the politicians refuse to do it. Yeah, and it is unfortunate the politicians are refusing to do it. So what we should be doing is unelecting every incumbent. I mean, that's what some people are saying. Do you have a position on that? Look, I've believed in term limits for a long time. When you have old hags okay. like Nancy Pelosi and, and, you know, Maxine Water, Mad Max, Maxine Water, and Diane Feinstein and, and all of these people, um, they don't belong there any longer. You know, they're antiquated, number one. They don't understand, you know, what's going on in the modern-day world. And they have let their hate for a president overtake their thinking on everything, any logical sense. They don't listen to their constituents anymore. Um, you know, Maxine Waters won't even live in her district because it's such a crap hole over there in, in California. And, um, you know, we need politicians who listen to their constituents. We, as American taxpayers, pay their salaries. We have a say in what goes on. And I loved it when Tom Homan was um, testifying after he had retired from ICE and he was a, an American citizen. And this is why he, he wanted to retire, so that he could testify and do this sort of thing. But, you know, he told them in Congress when they were trying to shut him up, don't shut me up. I pay your salary. I'm here to tell you what's really going on, you know, and that's what more Americans need to understand. These people aren't unapproachable. They aren't up on a throne. These people are being paid with our money. They're working for us, and we need to have a say, and they need to give us face time if we call and ask to get an appointment when they're in town in their, you know, local congressional or senatorial offices. They owe us face time. And so I encourage your listeners, become involved. You know, find out something that you're passionate about and become involved. Yeah, what a lot of people don't realize, yeah, this is an attitude I get a lot from around the country. Well, Dave, it sucks for you. You live in Arizona. So sorry people are coming under the border and tunnels or over the border or whatever, but that's your problem, not ours up here in Michigan, Minnesota, Illinois, Missouri. And what they don't realize is this is a problem that's bringing down economically the entire country. Um, you, you know, let me ask you this question. How prevalent is illegal alien crime in the interior of the country, uh, away from the border states? 
huge. Every state's a border state. And why is Illinois a sanctuary state if they're not affected by illegal criminal criminals? Why are they a sanctuary state? You know, why does um, Michigan and Minnesota have such high crime rates from the refugees from the Middle East? You know, because there's huge enclaves of them now. Um, look, even New Jersey, you know, I've got an angel mom who, and, and she lives in um, Missouri, and an ICE detainer was ignored in New Jersey, and the illegal criminal ended up in Missouri and shot her son 26 times. 26 times shot him. And, um, you know, these, these sanctuary policies, if, if New York's not affected by illegal crime, then why are they a sanctuary state? Why is New Jersey a sanctuary state? Why are all these sanctuary policies in effect across our country? Why have the North Carolina sheriffs who have just been voted in there, why do they immediately make their county sanctuary county? Sorry, folks, that, that, that argument is thrown out the window. It's all across our country. Oregon Washington State, they're both sanctuary states. The crime rates in, in Oregon, um, the amount of illegal criminals that they have in their, in their prison system is huge. You know, North Carolina has a child rape epidemic going on. Your listeners can go to a website. It's called NC Fire. That's for North Carolina, ncfire.info. Go take a gander at that website and see how many American children are raped and sexually assaulted by illegals. The numbers will stagger you. And go back through the years and see what the numbers were. I mean, there's some months where it's 150 children. Um, you know, 60 illegals are arrested and, and convicted for 150 sex crimes against children. It's disgusting what Americans are able to turn their eye on. And, and so many of these Hollywood elites and these politicians who go down to the border and cry about family separation, you know, come and look an angel family member in the eye and t- talk to me about family separation. Now, I'm separated by six feet of dirt from my son forever. I can never have another phone call from him. And the majority of the time, the children that were separated from their parents at the border um, didn't belong to those people. There was a case in Arizona where a six-year-old girl came across the border with a, a, a man. And Border Patrol, you know, she didn't look well. They took her to the hospital to get it checked out. When they were examining her, she had a phone number written across her chest in black mark, marker. And they called the number Well, they found out. This little girl had been brought over the border six times with six different men. And each time a man got across because of this, you know, we can't separate the families from the, the parents from the children. Um, whatever man had that child, they would call that phone number and somebody would come pick her up, take her back to Mexico and let another man come over the border with her. Um, there was a young girl, six years old, when we were in Sunland Park doing the wall. We were at the hospital and um, a nurse came up and told us there was a six-year-old little girl that they had found in the desert. I mean, she was just left there for dead. She had over 30 strains of DNA in her. Over oh 30 men raped her on her, on her trek from um, Mexico or wherever she had come from across to the United States. This is what's happening to the children. And thank God we have a president who understands that and is separating these children to make sure that they belong. Third, over 30% of the people that they DNA tested, the children didn't belong to the parents. And that was just a handful of people who were DNA tested. Not everybody is. Why aren't these people screaming about the rights of these children? Why? So who is Ocasio-Cortez really serving when she goes to the border and cries in front of the detention centers? I mean, what is her real objective? 
because these sob stories, I mean, that, that just creates more, more um, sympathy for these people. And the majority of the time, you know, a lot of these cases where you say, you know, this mother was ripped from her children and she's being deported. There's always a backstory to those folks. The woman committed crime. I mean, every one of them that, that they've brought to the news, um, you know, I have people dig d- deeper into her history and she's committed a crime or the father has committed a crime and it's a deportable crime and you're here illegally anyway. So, hey, we're going to deport you. And then they cry about their family being separated. Take your family home with you. Why are you leaving them here? You know, I would never leave my child in a foreign country. But first of all, I would never travel over 3,000 miles and drag my small child and put them through that with the, with the hope and the promise that I'm going to get asylum in a country, you know, because politicians are promising it. You or I would be charged with child abuse if we did that to our child here in the United States. That's true. That's exactly right. You're absolutely correct on that point. And when we look at kids that are used as bargaining chips to claim sanctuary status, to be able to cross the border, refugee status, that's the same as trafficking, whether there's sex involved or not. And it, it seems like uh, the Democrats just want to ignore it. Do you think there's motivation for the Democrats to do this too because they're trying to turn immigrants into future Democrats? Absolutely. It's quid pro quo, folks. We're going to promise you open borders and let you come in here and give you voting rights. You have to vote for us and keep us in office. It's quid pro quo. You know, one Plain of the things, Marianne, one of the things that people don't talk about much anymore, and uh, I used to cover this a lot when I first got into this business back in 2007, and I said, I know for a fact I've seen the papers that corporations will go down to the Central American communities and they'll drop leaflets. The government doesn't care. Come here. We got free goodies for you. On and on and on and on and on. And um, they wanted the immigrants to come to America because they'll work for cheaper, below minimum wage. There, There's never an EEOC complaint for worker standards. Uh, they don't have to pay workman's comp or social security, the part of the employer. So this was really corporate driven in the beginning. At least that's what I thought. Is that what you found too? And has that motivation changed oh. over time? No, it, it, that's still the big driving force behind it. You know, let's just be real. And, it, and it's Democrats and Republicans alike. That isn't a party party issue. That's just big corporation and that's greed. And, you know, what all of these politicians fail to understand is with every person that comes across and they have a Social Security number that they've stolen, that's an American life that's been affected. I've got um, um, somebody who's a part of our organization for identity theft. His father came here, married his mother. Um, they had him. Um, unbeknownst to them, their father was married to a woman in Mexico, and so he'd go home and, you know, visit family. Unbeknownst to them, it was a, another wife, his first wife and children down there. But um, his father took his son's Social Security number and sold it over 14 times. And he, the son entered the military, and he was deployed to Iraq. And when he came back, you know, he realized what had happened to his Social Security number he couldn't get a car loan. He couldn't get a student loan. He couldn't rent an apartment. He couldn't buy a vehicle. He couldn't even get a job. You know, he can't get auto insurance because everybody checks your credit report for everything. And he's got tens of thousands of dollars that are owed to the IRS um, that's not his, you know, doing. And, you know, he can show he was deployed, and yet people were using his Social Security number. Seven of them were in California in agricultural jobs. 
And, you know, I, I put a lot of the blame, too, on our Social Security Division and the IRS for not having checks and balances in place. How do, how do they process, you know, 14 tax returns with one Social Security number on it and different names on it and refund checks going to different addresses? I guess I, I should. Mean, I, 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 so, I know it's yeah. a rhetorical question, but what do you think it is? What's the motivation for Social Security to sit on their hands and do nothing? I'm, I'm just as baffled as you are. You know, I talked to a woman who used to be um, at the Social Security. She was a Social Security administrator. And um, she told me back in the 80s that she had testified before Congress that these stolen identities were becoming a problem and that if they didn't do something legislatively back in the 80s, that this was going to become an overwhelming problem for this country. Well, they ignored her. And look what's happened. It is amazing. Um, is the problem worsening, stay the same, or getting better? It's worsening. I just think that people, you know, it's it shoved under the rug so much, and and they put, they shine the spotlight on the plight of these people, and the ripping apart of families, and of course, this tugs at American heartstrings. But if people would just get educated and really look into, like I said, all the different layers of how illegal immigration affects us as American citizens, they would be stunned. I mean, there's nights I can't even go to sleep with some of the articles that I've read of what's happening in our country, right underneath our noses. You know, and, and the, the Democrats too cry about Russia, 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 you know, election interference. Well, guess what, folks? The Democrats are pulling off illegal interference in our elections right under our noses and nobody's doing anything about it because they're allowing them to get driver's licenses and register to vote. Who's doing anything about that? Well, there are some people that are trying to do things about it. There are uh, underlying a lot of these secessionist movements in America, as I pointed out with New California, but there are four other states, uh, the Illinois, New York, Oregon, the Idaho, oh gosh, I forgot the fifth, but there are five secessionist movements right now in America that have some significance to them and underlying all these are catering to illegal aliens over citizens so i think the people are fighting back but i don't know if this is the best way to do it what do you think what do you think people need right. to do i i just think they need to start calling out their legislators you know their congressmen their congress members their senatorial members they need to start making phone calls and they need to start spreading the word and we need to get to the to the voting booth in November and make a difference and vote these people who don't have Americans' best interest in mind, vote them out of office. You know, we need new blood in D.C. We need new ideas. We need new people who understand the depth of problems, not only dealing with illegal immigration, on every single level. Wow, that's incredible. Well, how can people in our audience support your organizations? Angelfamilies.org is our website. Um, hopefully next week we're having a big revamp of the website right now. I'm getting more information out on it to people. The IllegalAlienCrimeReport.com um, link, NCFire.info link, DHS, ICE link, with a lot of these articles about crimes that are committed. Um, I do have a live feed on the front page of our website of all the crimes that I put on our Facebook page. Um, but if you can donate, to help keep us on the road. I have gone into debt personally myself so so much 
that I need my fellow Americans to help keep our organization on the road. Um, you know, pro-illegal organizations get millions of dollars donated to them every day. I mean, millions of dollars donated to them every year. And, you know, we're lucky if we get $5,000 donated to us in one year. That doesn't even cover, you know, five trips for me to get to D.C. and testify. I testified at Senator Tom Tillis's, um um, bill that he just was bringing forward to allow American citizens to sue sanctuary um, municipalities and the people who are in charge of those um, sanctuary policies if their loved ones been killed. We have no avenue to do that. We can't do that. Yet an illegal can come to our country and claim they were abused by Border Patrol and sue the government. You know, there was a DACA participant in Laguna Beach, California, who was arrested for a crime he committed, and he was held in jail. And, uh, you know, of course, the ACLU and a bunch of others stepped in. He was held 48 hours longer than he should have because he's a DACA participant. So you're a DACA participant and you can commit crimes. Well, he ended up suing them and got $18,900 handed over to him. This is somebody who's not even a citizen of our country and committed a crime. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. So uh, do, do you have a donation tab on your website? We do. Okay, yes. good. And I want to encourage I, our listeners to engage in that. I, I just thank everybody who has it in their heart to donate to us. Um, it's, it's very, very important. This year is a, is a very important year. We're hoping to get across the country and have Angel Family Town Halls so that we can, can come face-to-face with our fellow Americans and tell them all the stuff that I'm telling you Yes, and to um, warn them. I, I agree, and I hope that you keep us in the loop. Uh, obviously, my contact information is Dave Hodges at thecommonsenseshow.com. We're happy to publicize any initiative that you have along these lines on our website. We've got a pretty good reach, so uh, I would encourage okay. you to do that as well, too. And I'd encourage our audience to visit um, the website for Marianne, and I would visit and really invite you to open up your wallets and to make donations because. Um, we need to control who's coming across our border. And, you know, with all the things you've said, and I am in complete agreement with what you've said here, but all the things you've said, the one thing that we really didn't cover was, you know, if you have 10 illegal aliens crossing the border, two of them might be an ISIS. You know, five of them might be MS-13 terrorists that are here to do harm intentionally to American people. Not people who are socially or criminally irresponsible. People who are coming here with intent to harm. And that's something we didn't even there's get a, into. There's a huge Muslim enclave in Tijuana. I mean, they have afternoon prayer and everything. And, oh, and I know. these people, they go there, they learn the language, they shave off their beards, and they come across and they appear to be, um, you know, Mexican or Central American. And it's a very scary thing, folks. Um, yeah, it really is. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Marianne, and uh, we're going to have to do this again as an update. And uh, you're always welcome to come back on the show. And uh, again, you know, my, my deepest condolences for the loss of your son, Brandon. And I have to tell you, that really touched my wife and I when we saw that on the news. But uh, my, my greatest appreciation for how you turned that tragedy into the work that you're doing. And I want to thank you for it. Thank you, Brandon. Well, thank, thank you, you for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, Marianne Mendoza, I want to thank you for joining us here today on the Common Sense Show. And uh, we'll see you back here again tomorrow. God bless. Oof. Mm-hmm.